You're listening to the Claim the Throne Blodgecast with Cabba and Ash. And today, Ash will be crapping on relentlessly about how he saw Cradle of Filth play Cruelty and the Beast in full recently in Perth. How was that show, Largy? <coughs> yeah, man, it was a good show. A very last minute affair for me. Um, Sleet messaged me and said, um, you know, are you going to this show? I said, nah, I forgot the cunt was on, to be honest. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, then he said he thinks he'll regret it if he doesn't go. So I thought it's good enough for me. Eighty dollars later. Yeah, and how much did the show cost? <laughs> yeah, uh, are you three dollars? Um, <laughs> yeah, but it was good, man. I got to say, it was quite um, good affair. Good affair. Yeah, rocked in halfway through. What is that band? Hybrid Nightmares. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, it seems like they've got different members or maybe I'm always... They do. They've got um Zach from... Uh, oh, my God. I've forgotten his band name. Um, that's embarrassing. But, yeah, they do have new band members. Some band. Yeah. Yeah, so they did their thing and then Cradle cumed out. Pretty weird because it's pretty much just Danny Filth and no one else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I think... The drummer and that keyboard player have been around for a few years, but the other people seem to be rung in from God knows where. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. Same shit. Um, so as a long-time fan of that particular album in particular, I mm-hmm. guess, they played it well live. I think so. In this day yeah. and age. A bit yeah. shaky at the start. I think Danny, it was like he couldn't hear or something. Um, mm. Yeah, he was a bit off time and a few... I thought, fuck, we might be in for a shit set. But then, you know, halfway through that first song, they sort of sorted it out and, yeah. yeah. And I, I must imagine it would be hard because, and also difficult, if you're playing an album start to finish, there's not a lot of time for you to go, hello, and mm-hmm. hey, can I have a little more fucking monitors in my foldbacks or whatever? Yeah. What do you reckon about this whole new surge of playing this album from start to finish? They're classic albums, I guess. Yeah. Do you think that more people go to those shows? Because a lot of the time they don't give two fucks about the new music. They just want to hear, I don't know, or see the older albums live. But yeah, I don't know. Anything wrong with it? don't know. You know, the first time I actually heard about it was back in 2000 and I'm going to say five or something when Slayer were doing Rain in Blood in full. Mm. And I just remember like it sticks in my mind because... Um, Apparently, Kerry Kelly was saying like, oh, you know, bands better fucking watch out because we're going to destroy you or something like that. And then they were touring with Slipknot at the time and they would have, you know, been a third album, I guess, by then. And Corey Taylor was basically saying, yeah, well, your music's old and shit. Like, it's (laughs) it's not that heavy anymore, you know, so do whatever you fucking please. (laughs) <laughs> but I did think it was a cool idea because back then Slayer were an old school band and I think it's yeah pretty awesome to see them. But they, they would have been with an original lineup back then. I think Bostaff had just fucked off and old mate is back on the kit. What's his name? What's his fucking name? That can't, I don't know. We're, um, we're, we're dead at the moment. Lombardo. Lombardo, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a cool thing. But, yeah, when you've got the Super Jesus playing some shit from the fucking 96, it's like, whatever, <laughs> who cares? You know, Grinspoon play Chemical Heart in its entirety. Like, fucking whatever. Yeah, mate. I feel like it's like 10 to 15 years too late. And the people that, you know, even if you did love that album back then, you probably don't care about it anymore. Um, that being said, I don't know, a bit of fun, whatever, I guess. I would have preferred... It just feels a bit unnatural to me, like if, it, especially if it's still an active band. It's like they've been forced into playing some shit that they don't really want to play and, you know, whilst, whilst it might be their best albums or whatever, I don't know, it probably lacks the, um, I don't know, the current vibe of that, you know, that era or the band members that were part of it at the time wouldn't have quite the excitement as they used to, generally speaking. Yeah. I mean, it might be cool for those band members who weren't there at the time. Like, that'd be pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. Everyone fucking loved it. So, it's it would be quite cool. But yeah, I guess maybe as like a band leader or something going, okay, so we're largely relevant these days. We have to do this shit. Yeah. Um, That's what I'd be worried about. But yeah, not saying that that would be the case. Um, Yeah. I don't know. 
cool for the punters, I guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's because from our perspective, we get annoyed if we travel around playing the same fucking set for two years. We're like, Jesus Christ, get over this shit already, you know? Just want to move on. But at this point, after 10 years or whatever, we'd, we'd probably almost have fun if we played a gig playing only the Brave Return in its entirety. Yeah. By this point, you know, maybe we'd think we'd be better at playing it now and it would be fresher because we haven't been playing those songs for so many years. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's definitely a cash cow though. It's a reason for people to go and watch Cradle again. Um, and yeah, for yeah. me, I would not have gone if they weren't doing that for sure. Yeah. Because... Slate ticket? Did he spray his face? Yeah, he did and sprayed a lot of the crowd in the process. Yeah. They, yeah, they play this whole cruelty set, which is cool with the interludes and everything. It was pretty sick. And at first I was thinking, I wish they were playing Dusk and Her Embrace. But man, yeah. two songs in, I was like, this record is amazing. So, yeah, yeah I was pretty stoked. Awesome. But then they went on and played one of their new tracks, which, whatever. Mm. And then they played two off Midian. So, Ghost in the Fog and another one that's a bit of a, a deep cut, uh, Saffron's Curse. Then they played something off Principal and something off Dusk and then... Oh, and Nymphetamine, the shit version, where it's just the slow stuff. Oh, no, right. None of the faster bits in it. And so it's like, ugh. Mm. Anyway, by then people I was... people starting to leave after Cruelty was finished? No, nah, people were digging it. But nah. at the end of it, I was like, yep, I could actually go and be super happy. It was worth my 80 bucks. Yeah, awesome. That's a decent price, I think. I think so, yeah. And then the bonus sort of five songs or whatever it was after. I mean, it was great, but it was a school night and I... Really couldn't be fucked seeing that shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, was what it was. It was cool. A few years back, I saw Presidents of United States of America playing their debut album in full. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that was that was pretty hilarious, and that's the kind of thing where you get yeah the whole crowd of just like people in their thirties and forties who used to listen to it, and I don't know, it's just like a bit of light-hearted fun, I guess. But that album only goes for, whatever, 30-something minutes, I think. So after that, they just played all their other shit that they would have probably played in the set anyway. Yeah, like if I saw fucking Fear Factory doing Demanufacture or Soilwork doing Predator's Portrait, only because there are posters in the background to you right now, <laughs> I would be pretty happy to see that. But um, if I had to go out there and look at Speed Street, try and sing his new horse shit or fucking... <laughs> That dickweed from Fear Factory talk about society. I just couldn't handle it, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Fucking hell. So, um, Sedge 2, what else do we normally cover on this piss week excuse for a podcast? Uh, well, we'll just get it out of the way now. Tool Talk, we've listened to the album now. What do we oh, think? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because um, the, the episode that came out the other day is us like talking about the anticipation of it coming out. and mm -hmm. But by the time it was released, the album was out. Um, but it was kind of funny hearing myself even talk about it um, in the past. But yeah, I was content. We had a good listening party at uh, old Tim's place with you. That and, was uh, wicked. Heaps of, good, heaps of fun. Cranking it on those, um, his Badass speakers was a, quite an experience, and um, yeah. yeah, the drums and particularly the drums really stood out as the highlight of the album. Especially mm. by essentially a pensioner on the drum kit, <laughs> fucking destroying. Yeah, so that was cool, and uh, yeah, just as the album as a whole, I like it. Good amount of material, I think. Uh, I like that the songs are long as fuck. Uh, I like that overall it sounds moderately darkish, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just cool songs. Singing can get a bit annoying at times, but not the yeah. worst. That single, if I had heard that single before we listened to it, I would have canned the listening party. <laughs> Thoroughly boring. I'm not into the single. It's got its elements and stuff, but Maynard just fucking ruins it. Yeah. Um, but from song two onwards, it's, I think, quite strong. And a lot of the riffs, especially in that second song, fucking hell, that whatever chorus or whatever jesus like yeah cool moments yep a few sort of rehashed riffs and shit here and there but they still keep it interesting i think and yeah 
whatever, yeah, songs as a whole, pretty cool. Yeah, I remember on the evening my note would have been, how could they improve whatever I was annoyed with? And I reckon it would be as easy as just tuning the whole guitar to like C sharp or C or something like that instead of just drop D. And then it would have tricked everyone because it would have been in a different key to every other album. But And you wouldn't notice the riffs sounding a little bit rehashed. Um, so that's one. And two, I reckon this is the clincher. Every time Maynard sings, they should be blasting. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying that. So I, I reckon a good that would have worked. Yeah. Could you imagine that? Surely he could blast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't even mean it has to be fast. It yeah. just has to be at the pace of the song. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I feel what was happening was Maynard wasn't, it wasn't like singing through the parts like he normally would. He was kind of, you know, singing into the tempos, uh, mm. the timings and the weirdness a little bit. So it sounded a bit disjointed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always thought that was the the strongest thing that Maynard did was actually kind of disregard whatever weird timing was going on. And I, yeah. I remember when Opeth Watershed came out and that mm-hmm. album starts with the, the clean vocals with the blast beating over it. And that was a bit of a jaw dropper at the time, I think. I hadn't yeah. really heard much like that before. Um, and it just sounded fresh and modern and it was a cool enough idea to make them sound a bit different from the previous albums or whatever. Yeah, for um, sure. So I thought that was cool. And I think, yeah, that would be fucking mind-blowing to hear something like that in Tool's music. So good call. As a 65-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I dig it a lot. And I still have been listening to it a lot. Yeah, well, that's good. What uh, what else has been on the plate? Um, don't know. We've just been chatting about getting band tools back up and happening. Mm-hmm. Um, just been planning a bit in terms of that. I'm starting to go through all the old shitty content that I had on that page that needs a big spruce up before uh, relaunching it, essentially. Yep. Um, yeah. Are you actually keen to relaunch it? Um, what do you mean? Or do you to do it like, again? Like, I know eventually you want to do it again, but is it kind of too soon yet? Or are you sort of, is it, does it feel about right? It feels right because I sort of have a bit of enthusiasm again. Uh, so yeah, I feel like I could, I could start smashing it out again and be happy enough to do it. So the time is right in that regards, but I do think there is a bit of work that can be done for it. But at the same time, who gives a fuck? Just start doing it. Really? Yeah, and, true. and if I can fix things in the process, then I will. Mm-hmm. And um, if I can get some assistance from anyone, that would be really good. I Are think, um, yeah. I think <laughs> a f- like a few of the things that led to it stopping in the first place was probably just m- largely related to a major dose of burnout, which was from just doing too many random fucking things like booking mm-hmm. a tour and having a wedding and having a weekly podcast and doing mail outs and having a band and starting a monthly metal night and all this shit. It was just way too much stuff. Mm. Um, and yeah, we had that tour and just got home and just was like, I cannot be fucked at the moment. I'll be really yeah. forcing shit out and it will be half assed and I won't be enjoying it. So what's the point? Um, but since then, to still have it gets quite a lot of listens. Still, I still get new people signing up to the Patreon, even when there's not new episodes coming out, um, and stuff like that. So that's a pretty good indicator that there is some interest out there. In which case, I'm more than happy to be doing it if people will actually listen and get involved and stuff. Mm. Um, and so I think to prevent something like that from happening again, yeah, I would need to make it less work for one um so by having two people doing the show would just halve the workload immediately uh which is yeah definitely healthy for the deal of starting again um and the other thing would be just having a really good routine in place for it um so just knowing that yeah i don't know every sunday morning i'm writing a fucking some show notes for the next week's episode or I'm putting together the mailing list or whatever. Um, Because before I was just sort of doing it 
when I would have a free night and stuff like that. And it just, it's too easy to come up with excuses about why you can't do it or get sidetracked or agree to do things uh, with other people or whatever when really I should be busy at that time because I've got it locked in. So also having someone else around would help to make me accountable to make sure that shit keeps happening the way it should. Um, and yeah, it just might be a bit more fun that way and whatever. So don't know. I think there's a few few things that could have done differently last time or a bit of a learning curve and don't want to destroy my soul again the same way as last time. That would be the only thing. But uh, yeah, feeling more confident about getting it up and running again now. Yeah, that is interesting. I never thought about a sort of set time to do it. Um, and I guess that happens a lot with this particular podcast. On nights, I should be just easily editing and hosting because I haven't really blocked out any time. If someone says anything to me, I'm like, absolutely, let's go and do exactly what you're saying. I don't care what it is. Um, yeah, whereas if I say, look, I have to on this day do this certain thing, then fuck, we probably have more episodes of this shit out. So I do like that idea. Um, yeah, and it is it is also good to have someone to bounce off with ideas and mm -hmm. direction. I was trying to articulate this on the spot to stew the other day, but um, I think with the podcast I tried for a bit, I had a general goal that I wanted to do, but it wasn't like, it wasn't something I could refer back to constantly, if you know what I mean. Mm. And so it made making episodes really difficult because I didn't quite know what the point of each episode was. So yeah. each episode had to have a point. Um, as opposed to feeding into a main theme. So, yeah, I do like how Bantles has always had that. Um, and some of the weird out-of-the-box, well, not even that weird, but some of the slightly off, non-tool-based, more concept-based um, or maybe learning-based or something like that, episodes that I have in mind, I think it's good to have you there to kind of say, yep, that's a cool idea, but you need to deliver it in this way. Mm. in order to sort of stick with that overall theme. Yep. And yeah, it is basically what I'm getting at is it's nice to have boundaries, mm -hmm. which is very cool. For sure. I think it's probably at a time when it needs to be, yeah, be covering more band-related bases as well, like you say. So even whether that's studio stuff or whatever, um, there's only so many tools that you can talk about mm -hmm. every, every single week, so... Um, yeah, by some of the concept ideas and stuff like that. I think that makes for a cool show. Um, and I guess, yeah, the other thing, I kind of want to make up some money off it, I guess, because it does take a lot of work. So it's just a good indicator that people are interested and that it's worth doing, I guess. Um, but, yeah, where that was a problem was before was like, getting people to sign up to the Patreon and then the more people that are on the Patreon, then the more work I have to actually do. So I sort of made a fair bit of promises on there of like you know, doing reviews of their online presence if they sign up or, um, yeah, sending mail outs or replying to endless messages and stuff, which is all cool, but, and I'm happy to do it, but when you have a day job, that sort of shit really adds up. So I think I need to be a bit mm. more clever about... Um, offering additional stuff. So being able to offer items to subscribers that don't take a lot of human labor would be um, a bit more beneficial, I think, or just more automated stuff, you know, access to folders and templates, that's cool. But yeah, so even just thinking the idea of little, I don't know, on online courses or private YouTube videos or something, things where you only need to do the work once and then it's available for people to check out um, mm. those sorts of things. So just stuff to think about, don't know. Yeah, I guess a lot of the questions are kind of repeated in the same way a lot of the time, like, oh, what's a good microphone for a podcast? Um, again, Stu asked me that the other day and it's like you could answer the same question um, and also answer what's a good microphone for micing up a guitar cab or a... Um, a snare drum or something because pretty much it could all be the same fucking mic. So the way I would look at answering those questions, I don't know, is maybe if that pops up enough, then address it on an episode perhaps or 
rather than individually like case by case doing some consulting work like okay well what's your budget and what's what interface do you have and what blah 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 like that just stuff just takes too goddamn long yeah um and really a lot of the information is is out there already um what you've been doing so far with band tools is just sort of centralizing it and theming it so if i yeah do the same thing rather than getting asked every time about a particular microphone i could say this is an episode on this microphone and and why you might buy it which would be let's say if you get this then you can do a b and c with it which will cover off multiple bases um as you start out in a in a band or some shit like that like it'll help you demo mic up your jams um, you could track shit with it, blah, 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 make a podcast if you think that's good or whatever. Yep. End of story, move on. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, that's a good way of approaching it. If, um, you know, even if one person asks a question about something, it means they want your opinion on the answer. So there's probably other people out there that also want your opinion of that question as well. Um, so, yeah, either doing an episode about that exact question or doing a video on it or something. And so the next time someone asks, you just point them in that direction. Say, check this out. I've answered yeah. that before here. Um, well, I think I've seen some podcasts do for like premium subscribers and stuff. They'll do like a weekly video or a monthly video or whatever of them answering all the questions, but you can only watch mm-hmm. that video, you know, if you're a member or whatever. Um, but they might answer like 10 questions in one video, that sort of thing. Yeah, another thing I've seen is like an Ask Me Anything episode yep. where it's just a 10 minutes of the person. It's kind of like a bonus episode where, yeah, you take these lots of questions and you just answer them pretty straightforward and simply similar to the way they do with the live YouTube or mm. whatever the fuck. But um, yeah, just put it out there for every... Well, again, then you're doing it for everyone, but I don't know. No, I There's mean... options. Because, yeah, I've... So the band tools private Facebook group. It was initially meant to just be for subscribers, but either way, it's private, so it's not accessible to everyone. Just people that have joined. So you could have like Facebook Live sessions on there and stuff, and you might only have it accessible to twenty people who are on that group. Um, so that could be kind of cool. Um, and yeah, the intention was never to like try and get heaps of plays or anything on on the show but more so to have those little that little community of more action takers and loyal listeners and stuff Mm. um yeah which seems to have worked kind of well i guess Um, so segment three what we're going to do on our other podcast (laughs) while we're talking on this podcast (laughs) over i guess so (laughs) (laughs) cover tool anything you need to say about streaming this week (laughs) Uh, don't know. You're on DistroKid, right? Yep. Got any payouts yet? Nah, not really. Those fuckers really drag their feet a lot in with the reporting. Mm. You know, like it takes months for them. So I've been signed up since March and then there's still stuff dribbling in for March. Mm. Um, and it's just starting to die off there and it's moving on to April. Like there's stuff already for, let's say, July. But there's like three things. So, yeah, my kind of thing I said um, to the guys is we'll assess it in six months from the first month, if you know what I mean. So, that's actually queuing up pretty quickly. Like probably in the next week or so, I'll start just not withdrawing from it, but just like writing shit into a uh, Google Doc just to kind of keep track. Because I've also got that weird thing where I've signed up for two artists at a time but then it won't split it for me um, unless I have everyone sign up and it's just bullshit so I'm just going to manage it like that and then when there's an actual amount of money in there that's worthwhile doing something with then we'll yeah talk about what we got to do be nice if you can just put all that towards like a vinyl pressing or whatever you might want to do in the future yeah that's the plan I'd love to do just purely as a vanity project like getting some t-shirts and some vinyls done so I can have them on my wall or whatever as kind of signifying an achievement. Um, But at the same time, I wouldn't mind recouping 
some of the money I spent on recording it and all this crap and, and the cost of the DistroKid account itself, just little things that, what are they? The cost of doing business. <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously that's quite impossible at fucking 0.9 of a millionth of a cent per stream. So yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that fucking shit goes. <laughs> but yeah, that was one thing I was going to say is that good old Bobby Osinski said that all those figures that are reported, like, okay, Apple Music, I've been saying, is one Australian cent per stream. <clears throat> Apparently, that's just on average. And how streaming companies actually doing revenue is that of your $10, right? So, you listen to Managam, Habits Varga 10 times, but because Taylor Swift is getting a billion streams a month or something like that, then the market that market share dictates how much of your monthly subscription is going towards Taylor Swift versus Managam. That's insane. So it's kind of like, you know how Facebook, if the posts with the most action get pushed to the top and the posts with no action don't get seen. So I might actually want to see what's going on in band tools, but I don't see it because there's not as many as um, whatever, Fear Factory related posts. Mm. So same deal, with but with money. So now I can see why that convulsing guy has a real problem with it because I thought it was just all Taylor Swift gets paid the same as Claim the Throne but if it's not then yeah what the, what the fuck is going on mm. um, do you need to be getting a million streams a month to start actually making a bit of dough off it like it's kind of seems crazy mm. anyway I don't know whatever the great experiment still yeah yeah a great experiment. If only we had just mm. had more projects, we could just experiment differently on all of them. I guess we yeah. kind of can. Um, Fuck, we're getting there, mate. You still, I still hear people with the arguments like, you know, all you need is a thousand fans willing to pay a hundred dollars to your band each year, and you're rich as fuck. You got a hundred thousand bucks. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy, isn't it? It's like, it's that simple, I guess. So, it's just how do you find a thousand fans that will pay money? Well, yeah, I don't know if that's relevant at all anymore with streaming because remember that um, I signed up for Apple Music and I'd been doing that spreadsheet of like what I'm spending on bands and stuff like that. As soon as I got streaming, I stopped paying for shit except for the occasional t-shirt or going to a gig so if my favorite band doesn't come to town then it's pretty unlikely i'm gonna actually support them throughout that year except for streaming because i'm not buying a i might buy a vinyl these days but even that like you get nailed on shipping like you spend 30 bucks on vinyl from europe and you have to pay 20 bucks shipping it's like fuck yeah don't know if it's worth it well it's like it's more than that but whatever so, there are still people out there, though, who will pay that shit without even questioning it, you know? Yeah, but then this is the issue, though, is that you and me have 300 Claim of Throne CDs in our closet. Or, like, a, a, we've got a stockpile of shirts on the chance that one of our thousand fans will want to buy one. Yeah. Um, and then, what if our thousand fans, unless we've got the most wicked data analysis ever, um, are all mediums and we have like smalls and larges in abundance but we don't have any medium shirts left so well that's when you either do the shitty ass print on demand crap or you do um pre-orders I guess what sizes yeah. you want before you go ordering the shirts I guess pre-order is definitely king in my mind because I've looked into it all the print on demand none of it's screen printed it's all direct to garment and I reckon they're fine, but I kind of reckon they're shit. Like, it seems like it's just separate from the shirt, which is weird. Mm. Um, and then, and the other thing I was thinking about that, like, it's a great idea, but so you've got to charge 25 bucks and that includes the garment, the printing and the um, shipping, right? And let's say you make five bucks off it per shirt or if that, right? But then you never see it and you never get to quality control it. It's just, you're almost like giving ownership of your shit away. Yeah. And 
I don't really love that idea. And same with even vinyl, like um, you can do those things where you almost do a Kickstarter. Well, it's almost like a print-on-demand service, but for vinyl. And um, yeah, I don't know. Same thing. Like, what if you just never see it yourself? I don't know. Is it? Is that weird? Is that weird? It is weird. Like, it makes sense to do that stuff if you've got a business and, you know, you're purely in it for the profits and you're finding ways to make the most money or whatever. But when it's, you know, when your business is an art project that you're passionate about or whatever, like, yeah, it feels strange to just not have any involvement in it all. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. In, in an ideal world, let's pretend that one of my shitty bands, like, got some interest, right? Got 50 fans. I like that King Gizzard approach, not because they're, you know, they do that starvation method where you've only got 100 copies of this vinyl and then that's it. We're going to do 20 in red, 20 in green, blah, blah, collect them all. I don't quite mean like that, although that's awesome. Um, I mean like, okay, fuck it. This t-shirt design, there's going to be 50 of them. Pre-order them. Here we go. Down the track, there's going to be another design. Same thing. They're going to be limited to 50. Get your sizes in. And just only kind of half pre-order, but half, you know, maybe when you get that 50, you overstock it. Or you only need 30 and then you get the extra 20 and put them up on your big cartel. Once they're gone, they're fucking gone. Just kind of to have a conversation with the people that like your band. That look, we can't hold on to this shit forever. Um, Be open about it. Look, we're not doing this to try and trick you into buying it. We're just saying like, we want you to wear our merch. That would be cool. I think the art is cool and worthwhile. But I don't want you to just endlessly be able to purchase this whenever you want off some site and those guys can just keep printing it and keep going on as as long as it goes on. Because then it's like, that's sort of boring in a way. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. Mm. Anyway. What end. will you do with um, Harvest Trail? I really don't know, to be honest. No? I can either just do the same old shitty claim the throne approach that we've always done, which has always been fine, but, you know, it's certainly not groundbreaking and you do get left with extra shit over. Um... I, yeah, I don't want to do print-on-demand particularly. Um, yeah, I could do the pre-order thing, but again, is it really worth doing a full order of shirts to get a decent price? If you know, you might get even if you get ten pre-orders of shirts, you're not only going to order ten; you're going to have to order a hundred or whatever to get a decent mm-hmm. amount. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, you just fork it out and just have the same merch for until you get rid of it all. Yeah, I did a bit of a pricing a few weeks ago. Um, what would a plain logo shirt of Spherical... Logos. Logos cost? And it was going to cost me something. I think for 26 shirts or something like that, it was going to cost me like $600. Um, and then I was going to probably be able to recoup that if I sold 20 of them, right? Which is insane. Is that right? Two, threes, yeah, 20 of them. And um, yeah, I thought, how the fuck does this get so expensive so quick? But of course, I was looking at it. I wanted a quality shirt. So I looked into the AS color stuff. I want it to be screen printed. So that's more expensive because it's, it's got setup costs and done by hand. And I wanted the ink to be water-based. So A, it sort of looks better on the shirt. It's a bit more, sort of has a better touch to it Um, and maybe a bit more of a vintage look, but also it's better for the environment. And that's the kind of shit that, you know, suddenly adds up super quick. And then you go, okay, well, fuck this. I'll go and do print on demand. And then you look at it and I'll pull out some of the shirts I've got that are direct to garment. I'm like, nah, I don't like that. Like my biggest, my most devastating thing ever was buying a Stone's Reach t-shirt. It cumes in the mail, awesome print. It was on a Gildan shirt, it fit me perfectly and the print itself was wicked. Then 
Bellacore put out a new album. I bought a shirt off them, but it came from their label over in Europe or America or something. And it was like on a Gildan, but it was just felt like it was for a child. But even though it was the same size Gildan as the other one, it was a different style. And then um, the garment, like the print on the garment was like, it looked really good, but it was kind of, must have been direct possibly. And it's like when their label takes care of it, it's not as... You know, it's more about churning out the money. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Fuck yeah. if I know, man. I really haven't... I'm not up to date on the merch industry at the moment whatsoever. So, it's probably on my to-do list to, to start researching a little bit and see what the deal is at the moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a doozy. I know what you mean about the sizing and shit just annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it like is. different and quality shirts, and you know, even if it's from the same band. Fuck. Yeah, and it's not their fault because we've done the same oh, thing. Like we've not. had one supplier and the shirts come out great, and we've had another supplier, and it's like, fuck, they're pretty good, but they're just, it just wasn't quite there, and mm. then we're stuck with all these fucking shirts. What do you do? you got to sell them, so we sell them cheaper and just try and cover costs. I guess what you can do is when you do find a shirt that you really like, like that Stones Reach one, for example, get in touch with the band, ask them, ask them who they used, look yeah, up the prices, true. contact those, that, yeah, that company. Yeah. Um, but yeah, got to obviously shop around. Um, it's like maybe what I'm getting at though is that why are we looking to make money online with merchandise? Because shipping kills you. You've got all these issues with quality control. You've got overstock issues or understock issues. I think this shirt that I'm wearing now, I bought at a gig mm. and I was able to see it and try it on. And then I was like, yep, this is fucking perfect. And I do remember trying on the bigger size than this and everyone's saying, oh, now that's swimming on you. So, you know, there's that cool option there. Yeah. Um, same with vinyl and all that shit. If you buy it at a show, it's you don't have to fork out for shipping and... You can see if it's, oh, yeah, it's a heavy quality, good one. And yeah, fucking hell, man. Someone like Bellacore, I would like to think that they get a pretty massive amount of turnover of sales on their merch store. So they, you know, might, it might be worthwhile and make a bit of coin. But yeah, if you're just sort of selling even a shirt a week or whatever, I'm like, that's good, but you're not going to be able to retire from it. Um, Yeah, and I think maybe the convulsing thing is cool where he just put put that shit out and waited until people were begging for, for vinyl before actually doing anything physical yeah and yeah that's how you have to do it like a band's not going to not going to not get popular because they don't have physical shit or t-shirts available like i think that's a trick from the past where you do a cd launch in town so you want to have a cd to sell and you want to have a shirt to sell mm. when these days the internet's just such a powerful communicative beast that if your tunes are cool and you get them in the right hands, you can, again, I didn't know that the band fucking Batushka or something existed because I went to a gig. It's because you told me I'm listening to this this week and word spreads and also goes around. As do AIDS. Yeah, we'll come back to that. We'll make that a sedge. I think it's an interesting topic, but... <clears throat> Yeah, it makes you wonder whether you you have to be playing live to make any decent money, um, which, yeah, I would say a lot of people would argue that you do not, but I don't know, the more you analyse it, it feels like that. You know, one thing you showed me yesterday was the tool box set with the fucking yeah. L- LED screen or LCD screen. Pretty, pretty crazy, right? <laughs> and then even 10,000 days with the glasses in it and all that shit, and I think, what the fuck is going on here? Like... What a wild thing to do. But then I thought, well, whether or not you, you're into it, you like it or you hate it, who fucking cares? At least they're doing something. So the CD itself, the physical copy becomes quote unquote art. Like it, it becomes its own sort of release Yeah. Um, to support the music. Same with the video. Like a lot of times videos that disappoint me of bands and stuff is like, Ha, huh, got a text from Smitty. I should read that live on air. <laughs> um, yeah, you just sort of think it's for the sake of it. So when a T-shirt comes in and it's kind of shit quality, 
you're like, oh, it looks like the band's just thinks they need a t-shirt so they're getting any old damn thing. Um, but if you're getting a King Parrot shirt or whatever, those guys put some fucking money into the art on there, into the printing. They've always got good quality and even though they're more expensive, you can see them selling more because people would go, this is a fucking sick shirt. Mm. Um, and yeah, I reckon that goes with vinyl and it goes with, with everything. Like even those run of 10 vinyl we got, I didn't quite realize it, but it was like a just a simple gatefold cover, but then it wasn't even sealed. So you have to keep it in the plastic slip all yeah, the time. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, damn, that's sort of... If I'd known that, maybe we would have chucked an extra <laughs> five bucks per disc at that or like, mm. who knows? Yeah. All trial so, and error. That tool yeah. one's interesting, eh? It's like whether you just do something different to be able to justify charging extra per disc and people would be happy to pay because, you know, it is heaps of shit. So you don't yeah. you don't go, wow, seventy five dollars for a CD, that's ridiculous. But you go, Oh, I'm kinda curious. Big digipack comes with a screen and a speaker and all this shit. Um and you don't actually have the option to buy a cheaper version or just the plain disc because they don't sell that. Yeah. Um and yeah, limited run. So I guess they're all sold out now and they uh, yeah, don't know. That was your chance and it's gone, whether they do more, don't know. No shirts. Mm. Bizarre. That really? makes me think that they'll just be doing shirts on a world tour or something and slugging 70 bucks for a t-shirt at a gig. Mm. Could you imagine how satisfying it would be to put up a post, hey guys, go to this link, here's pre-orders for shirts, input your size, whatever, and pay, and then just like... 5,000 people buy a fucking shirt off you because you're a massive band. You send that directly. You have it so it pre-fills a, a spreadsheet or something. You send directly to your merch printer and it's all covered and then it comes in and ships straight out to the customers. Like That would be fucking amazing. But it's just not reality for so many bands that we're probably talking to right now on this podcast. It's mm. like, do you know my first band T-shirt I ever did? Uh, me and Owen got some designs together on Photoshop, went to Jackson's in Northbridge Art Supplies and you put a photocopy of your design through this special thing and it pulls off this screen print rezo paper or whatever. Then we went home and then we affixed them to these plain shirts we bought from Kmart and shit for like five bucks and then actually screen printed our own shirts in a real shitty way, botched a few of them and then I think we went to a gig with like 10 shirts and sold them for like 10 bucks each because we made them so cheap. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of shit, but if I was better at screen printing, well, I mean, I mean, that's making me think, why don't I just get into screen printing yeah. just for myself, just for myself. And then, you know, just like I do with the recording thing, you need some help, I'll help you out. Jesse wants to do some shit, I'll help her out. Dicey owns a merch company so he can help himself. But, you know, like... Make for a good band tools episode. How to screen yeah. print your own fucking shirt designs. Well, we did it in high school, remember, screen printing? Mm. Like to a piece of paper maybe, but... That could be pretty interesting, man. Mm. Could be. They literally just like, oh, well, another order came through. So you just <laughs> fucking get some plain shirts and print them up and put them in the post. That'd be amazing. Essentially, it's like um, printing on demand, but... Legit. Yeah. And you just need a tin of black paint if, or white paint on a bunch of plain black shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I want to look into this, man. Try it. Spherical logo. Logos. Yeah. Um, All right, what does Smitty have to say? Uh, he's sending me a band, German Death Doom. He says, I might fuck with it. Mm. It's called Morast-2 Nostro Silencio, full album. Good Imagine early Chuck Schuldner was heaps into bolt thrower and heroin. I guess we know what we're <laughs> listening to on the way out. <laughs> All right, that's the song of the week. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, what is your album of the week, by the way? Well, I won't go with Tool because that's boring as fuck, but I'll go with um, DGM Momentum. 
Is that what was on in the prog car? Power. Uh, yeah, I think so, from memory. It was either that yeah. or War Drum. It's been quite a week of power metal. Yeah, um, okay. For me, but yeah, DGM was pretty cool, kind of like Symphony X on Whipper. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my album of the week, fuck, once again, I've jack shit. Uh, I said last podcast that I was listening to a shitload of Harvest Trail, which is true. Um, apart from that, a little bit, I will say this about the Tool album. I was really stoked to listen to it again after our listening party, but I reckon I've listened to it like two or three songs since then because hmm. I'm just never in the right place to kind of absorb a 10-minute song. Okay. Um, yeah, Cruelty and the Beast is probably my album of the week. Oh, of course. Yeah. Anyway, there that's, you go. that's about it. All right, and we'll go out with a song from um, whatever the fuck you just said More that Smitty ass. said. Yeah, thanks for that, Smitty. Yeah. Hopefully the songs aren't 40 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, well, if they are, stiff shit. If they are, start sucking.
Oh!